June 1st, 2023, we're in Masechet Betza and Kaf Amud Bet. If you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's 24 lines up in the middle of the line. The Gemara begins, for our purposes today, with the words Abba Sha'ul. Abba Sha'ul Omera Belashon Aheret. Abba Sha'ul said it in a different language and it had a different version with regards to it. What's it? Well, it's what we learned about yesterday. It's the mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Ilel with regards to the hakrava, the bringing, the sacrificing of the olat re'iyah on the holiday, on Yom Tov. If you recall, on every Yom Tov, on every holiday, there was a command from the Torah to bring several sacrifices. Two types of shilamim, that's a shalmeh hagigan, a shalmeh simcha. But then for our purposes, what we're most interested in right now, it's what was called an olat re'iyah. Re'iyah from the lashon of lir'ot. You would see every holiday, you would see peneha adon, hakadosh baruchu kivyachol. He would see you, yera'eh And as a result, you'd have a sacrifice which was called a korban olah, which was brought. Now the korban olah being different than korban shilamim, you weren't eating from it at all. As a result, you can already understand its permissibilities would be a little bit more restricted. Uh, Beit Shammai will tell you, and do say so, it's inappropriate to sacrifice, slaughter, and bring on the holiday the Korban Ola. It's Beit Hilel who made the counter-argument that it's permitted. In the final lines of the Gemara that we learned yesterday, they were disputing Pesukim. Uh, if you recall, uh, Beit Shammai pointed to a pasuk of Lachem, it has to be for you, Korban Ola is not going to be for you at all in terms of doing Melachan Yom Tov. Whereas Beit Hillel pointed to a pasuk of Hagotemoto Hag Ladonai, Lahashem, called the Lahashem, anything that's for God, including a Korban Ola, of course, as well. And, but right before that, yesterday, we saw a whole Kalva Homer that was mentioned from Beit Hillel to prove their point. Abba Shaul has a different version with regards to how that, so to speak, logical deduction or conversation between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai went about. Words, again, Beit Hillel is going to turn to Beit Shammai, as they did, and try to prove or to swing the vote with regards to their opinion with regards to this matter by speaking logically. Uh, earlier, again, they were comparing Shabbat and Yom Tov with regards to these matters. That's what we learned yesterday. Abba Shaul's version is, it was a little bit different, maybe a little bit more simple with regards to the claim of Beit Hillel to Beit Shammai. Here's how it went. Abba Shaul omera bilashon ha'heret. Quote, Uma b'makom shekiratcha setuma, kirat rabbecha petuha, b'makom shekiratcha petuha, so Abba Shaul, again, although his imagery is a bit different, does have a version in which Beit Hillel turned to Beit Shammai and they appeal to the laws of Shabbat. Their imagery, instead of just talking about sacrifice or eating, is one of a kira. Anyone who's learned Masechet Shabbat knows that word kira. Kira is a reference to an oven that they used to have once upon a time. The way this oven was used is there was places on top of it for two pots, but the only way the oven would be effective is if it was open. So, so to speak, the heat from inside would uh, power the heating up of pots that would be on top of it. And the only way, again, that it would heat in such a fashion is when the kira was, and that's the lashon, pituha, open. Uh, so here are the words. Uma bimakom, pay attention to a situation uh, where kiratecha setuma, your own oven is closed, meaning you can't be cooking your own goods, your own items. Of course, that would be a reference to Shabbat. 
Shabbat, it's an Isur of Bishul. You're not allowed to, your oven, so to speak, needs to be closed. It's closed off on Shabbat. But, Kirat Rabbecha Petuha, the oven, quote unquote, again, God doesn't have an oven, obviously, of Rabbecha, of your master of God, is open. What's that a reference to? Of course, the sacrifices on Shabbat, which were for God, the Timidim and Musafim, which were not benefiting, which were brought on Shabbat. So that's on the one side of this uh, of this dimension of this uh, of this claim. Again, it's it's very similar to what we saw earlier. The Gemara will have to tweak and explain to us how it's different. But the initial stages go like this. Uh, I'm skipping the imagery for a moment and just stating it in fact. On Shabbat, it's prohibited to bring or to sacrifice or to slaughter for your own consumption. But you are not only permitted, you're commanded to have sacrificial circumstances for God. Timidim and Musafim. Oh, but if that's on Shabbat, can you imagine? Bimakom, in a situation, of course, in parentheses, Yom Tob, Shekirateha Petuha, your own oven is open. You're allowed to. You're supposed to be cooking for yourself food on Yom Tov. Enodin, isn't it logical to then extend and say, Shekirat Rabbecha Petuha, that the kira, the oven, so to speak, of God should be open as well? Of course it should be. And as a result, the claim of Betilel, again, identical to what we saw yesterday. We'll have to figure out how this is any different, aside from a few more uh, images of, of ovens being open and closed. But the, the, uh, the claim of Betilel, in turn, is that an olat re'iyah uh, should be permitted to bring on the, the holiday. Why should it be permitted to bring on the holiday? Well, when it comes down to it, yes, I have a certain angle in this, but on Yom Tov, I'm permitted to bring anything and to eat anything and prepare anything for myself. If on Shabbat something similar is permitted, certainly on Yom Tov it should be. And so too, continued Abba Shaul's version of Beit Hilel. Din, again, we've noticed once or twice already, means logical. It's logically speaking, makes a lot of sense. It's inappropriate that your table be full and the table of God, of your master, be empty, you're telling me when it comes to Yom Tov, you're allowed to be slaughtering and eating for yourself, but not slaughtering and, and, and sacrificing to God? Your table should be full. But a korban olah, which would, of course, as God doesn't have an empty table, but as our imagery, our vision, I'm supposed to be bringing this, setting it up on his table, in the Mizbeach and the Mikdash. He should be rekan, should be empty. Uh, so that's the statement um, of Abba Shaul with regards to the version of Beit Hilel's claim to Beit Shammai. Uh, to succinctly restate it. We have an obligation to bring Absolutely, but the korban olat re'iyah, according to Beit Shammai, would not be brought on the Yom Tov. According to Beit Shammai, it was either when you're dealing with Pesach and Sukkot on Hala Mo'ed, when you're dealing with Shavuot, today would be your last day, right? You'd have the several days after Shavuot. I guess if you're Syrian, you would get Nes Musan as well. Still Not really. Still yeah. still saying that, oh, okay that Hashem, you so that's the claim of Betty. So that's what. True. Over here, you're right, Alan. Hashem is not eating, and that's why I several times repeated, you know, so to speak, quote unquote, and all that sort of stuff. He's not eating. It's with regards to me and you, our vision of what I'm doing. I'm presenting. That's why I rephrased it even. I said, I'm, I'm presenting, so to speak, on his table. 
I'm putting the food out. He doesn't need to eat it and he's not eating it and it's more for me than for him. All true. But in the scheme of things, my table's actually full. Honey, could you pass the uh, roast? Uh, uh, darling, could you pass me the, the chicken? I'm, I'm feasting. And then, oh, but no, we don't do mikdash stuff today. Why not? Uh, it's inappropriate. You serious? You're consuming, you're eating for yourself. You can't present something. You shouldn't be presenting something to God. Not because he needs to eat it, not because he is eating it. But that's the imagery. That's the claim of Beit Hillel. Says the Gemara just briefly in this context, what's the difference between Abba Shaul and the version we learned yesterday? Again, Abba Shaul gives us tables, Abba Shaul presents us with, um, with ovens, with kira, but in the scheme of things, it's the same claim. Beit Hillel says, uh, inappropriate. You're, uh, you, it's, it's your holiday time, you're permitted to, to make your own food, but not to bring for God. And Beit Shammai, for one reason or another, we discussed yesterday, disagree. That's the same version we had yesterday. Says the Gemara, Bemai kamipalge. Bemai bame, with what? Kamipalge, peleg means to be split. What are they split on? What's the difference between the first version, uh, the one that we learned yesterday, the Kalvahomer, and the Abba Shaul, Kalvahomer as well, or the Abba Shaul imagery, uh, which effectively amounts to the same thing and pretty much was the same thing. Answers the Gemara, Mor savar nedarimu nedavot kerebim biyom tob, umor savar en kerebim biyom tob. It goes like this. If you remember, the continued lines of yesterday's Gemara were the critical difference. The continued lines were, I'll quickly review for you what we did yesterday, where Beit Hillel makes this claim to Beit Shammai. Beit Hillel says, how is it possible that you on Yom Tob can deal with your own stuff, but you're not going to for God, when on Shabbat you do with God and not for yourself? And the response, remember the response of Beit Shammai? Beit Shammai says, one second. Beit Hillel, even you agree that you can't bring nidava, you can't bring shelamim, which are not obligatory. That was the response of Beit Shammai. Beit Hillel, oh, oh my goodness, if it's not obligatory, you're right, I can't bring that on the holiday. How do you respond to them? That was the back and forth. In Abba Shaul's version, none of that happened. Why did that not know that happened? That's a great counterclaim. You come in and you say, it's inappropriate on Yom Tov. You can have, fulfill all your needs, but you can't fulfill God's needs, so to speak. Beit Shammai should say, well, what is it? You can't do all your needs. You can't bring a korban netabat. That's what they said yesterday. In the version of Abba Shaul, they didn't say so. It explains the Gemara. It's because in Abba Shaul's world, in his tradition, in his understanding of Beit Hillel, Shalmei were permitted on the holiday as well. That's a watershed moment for those who are keeping track at, at, at home. You know, in other words, at this moment, we just found an opinion who maintains Beit Hillel permits even Shalmei Nedava, indeed. Uh, everything, uh, very possibly, but not really everything. Olat Nedava would still not be permitted. Because Olat Nedava, you're not getting anything. It's neither obligatory, nor are you consuming it. And as a result, Olat Nedava is still out. But Shalmei Nedava and Shalmei Neder would be permitted. And so that's, that's what the Gemara says. Mor Savar Nedarim Nedavot Kerebim Biyom Tob. According to Abba Shaul, and Beit Hillel's opinion is you're allowed to bring those on Yom Tob. Or Mor Savar, according to the first version of all of this that we saw yesterday, the Tanya, Amru Lahem, and so forth, in Kerebim Biyom Tob. Okay, now that we established that, the Gemara has a few more uh, you know, uh, what do they call it, housekeeping uh, 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 chores, uh, we have measures, uh, which we need to put into effect with regards to these halachot. Let's talk a little bit more about nedarim nedavot on the holiday. Let's talk a little bit more about the nature of what's taking place, what's not taking place, how it plays out, and so forth. That's what we have in the ensuing lines of this Gemara. 
a little bit more of that, a little bit more of that discussion, conversation, fine-tuning matters uh, before moving back into the, the general Yom Tov business that we've been dealing with in our Masech. It says the Gemara, Maraf Huna. Uh, Rav Huna's expression, again, in the context of Nedarim, Nedavot, Kerebim, An Yom Tov, let's remember what that means. It's a Korban Shelamim, which I, let's say today, I determine I'm going to bring the sacrifice. I'm going to bring the sacrifice, I'm going to slaughter it, find a beautiful animal, several thousand dollars, I separate it, I'm bringing it to the Mikdash, I'll bring it on Yom Tov. That's a fantastic opportunity, I'll bring it on Yom Tov, we're going to slaughter it. Honey, my children, we're all going to eat this together. We're going to give the Kohanim a little bit of it. Kadosh Baruch a beautiful festive thing, we'll save it for the holiday. Are you allowed to bring that on the holiday or not? Matter of dispute, we now understand. We thought everyone agreed you couldn't. We now just discovered there is a version of Bet Hillel that you could. According to the opinion, which is the opinion we've been working with until a few minutes ago, that you can't bring Nedarim and Nedavot on Yom Tov. That's inappropriate. Well, what's the reason you're not allowed to? So the statement here of Rav Huna is to understand the nature of that prohibition. Don't imagine that it's only rabbinic in nature, but biblically it's permitted. Well, let's understand that for a moment again. Uh, so I'm not allowed to, you told me, bring shilamim, the sacrifice, which I'm going to be eating from. It's going to go into my mouth as well and into the Kohanim's mouth. But it's going to God as well, which is beautiful. You're not allowed to bring that on the holiday. Why are you not allowed to bring it on the holiday? I don't know. You told me a few moments ago that it probably has something to do with lachem. But I had the counter-argument of lahashem. Why is it prohibited? It must be a rabbi thing. This is what Rav Huna is coming to counter. It must be a rabbi thing. Why would it be a rabbi thing? Because why shouldn't it be permitted? The Torah, it's what, on the first day of this, I know it was a long time ago, number one, number two, we've been confused over the course of time. But on the first day of this, we read the Mishnah and Daf Yotet, and we saw that according to Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai, you can't bring, we talked about it then, we mentioned it, Shilamim, which are not obligatory. And everybody said, but if you're eating from it, why should it be prohibited? I thought you're allowed to prepare food for yourself. It was the conversation in the class by everyone. One. Uh, why would it be prohibited? Says Rav Huna, you might imagine it's only rabbinically prohibited. Why would you imagine it's rabbinically even prohibited? Maybe the reason is sheme yashhe. What is sheme yashhe? Leshahot means to hold, withhold. You might wait for the holiday. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you take a look quickly at Rashi on the left-hand side, Rashi really fills this out. Rashi's up a bunch of lines, maybe 20 lines up. Sheme yashhe, ad hamo'ed, she gives the rationale. What would the logic be? Well, it would be as follows. I'm feeling very connected to God in this moment. I feel that it's the opportunity for me to donate from my assets. I'm going to choose a beautiful animal, buy a beautiful animal, bring it to the Mikdash. But I say, I'll double up on this. I need to anyway on the holiday have festive meals. We're going to as a family travel to Jerusalem on the holiday anyway. I, I figured out how to do this beautifully. It's a fantastic situation. I'll choose this beautiful animal, set it aside for the next coming time, or even not choose the animal, dedicate myself to it, and I'll double up. It's my donation, and on the holiday, we'll enjoy it in Jerusalem. It's not going to count as my Shalmei Hagigah, Shalmei Simcha, per se, per se, although Shalmei Simcha mine, but it's going to be Shalamim. We'll have extra beautiful, delicious meals. I spoke to the, uh, to the Shohet. He said, this is a great animal. The, uh, I got, got great stuff. We'll have a more festive meal. In other words, I might mindfully decide I'll save my animal, not because I'm lazy, 
I'll, I'll beautify the holiday. I'll have my animals sacrificed and brought so that we can enjoy an rendezvous together with Borei Olam on the holiday. We're eating, he's eating. Not really, but you know, maybe that would be the mindset. Uh, what's the problem with that? With the rabbis, we're nervous about that, says Rashi. The rabbis were nervous that would be the tendency of people. They would say, we want to have basar masui baregel, we want a lot of flesh, and I'll leave my animals to bring on the holiday, and then something happens. Erev holiday, something happens on the holiday. I depended upon the holiday for bringing all my sacrifices, and something went wrong. I got sick before the holiday. Uh, my car broke down, my donkey broke down. I don't know, whatever, I couldn't make it up to the mikdash. I end up messing up everything that I was obligated to do. I set myself up for a situation of Baltahai of not bringing my sacrifices in the appropriate time. Maybe that's why Shalmei, Nidava, and Nidah are not allowed to be brought on the holiday. Rabbinically speaking, the rabbis say, we know what you're going to do, and it's not a bad thought. You'll bring it on the holiday. But there's danger in that. What happens if something goes wrong? You're now in the 11th hour, something went wrong, it's too late. Maybe that's the issue. Says Rav Huna, that's not why the Shilamim were not allowed to be brought on the holiday. I said, then why were they not allowed to Shalmin be brought? Midde oraita. It's from the Torah. That's new. We've known that throughout, but why would you say the Torah prohibits it? I'm eating from it. It's true, I'm giving from it to God. I'm eating from it. You're going to tell me that's prohibited to be brought on the holiday? If you told me rabbinically it's a restriction, it's a prohibition to keep you away from messing it up, I understand. It's asur from the Torah. And he brings proof for this. Before we read the proof, where would he tap this into a pasuk? He would, Rashi says that he would tap it into the pasuk of La Hashem. If you recall, well, if you take a look, says Rashi, um, the, the, the next Rashi, Midde again, about 15 lines up now, Sevir the opinion of Beit Hillel is, De Asur, Dechi Ketiv La Hashem, Dumyad Vehagotem Kamar, Olot, Hadomot, Lehagiga, Zeman Kavua, Baregel Kamota. When the Pasuk says La Hashem is permitted to be brought on the holiday, including even Olat Re'iyah for Betileil, we'll look at the context of that, that Pasuk. The Pasuk says, V'hagotem oto Hagladonai. It's in reference to a Shalmeh Hagigah. It's an obligatory sacrifice on the holiday. You need to bring it on the holiday. We derive from that word La Hashem, not only the Shilamim, but even an Olah, the one that's supposed to be brought on the holiday. If it's a sacrifice that doesn't need to be brought on the holiday, it's just a, it's a donation of mine. It could be brought at any time. That was never included by the Torah. That's the statement in turn of Rav Huna. Rav Huna says, we never went that far. Bet Hillel never understood that from the Torah you could bring whatever you want on the holiday. You could bring on the holiday that which is obligatory on the day. Bet Shammai even restrict that and say, bring it on bring it right afterwards. But this prohibition is not only rabbinic in nature, it's even biblical. Again, according to the opinion that Bet Hillel maintains, don't say, don't believe, means to see. And as a result, in this context, in Hebrew, we use the word ra'ui, appropriate. You know, it's mehza hazu means don't think that minha Torah, it's appropriate. It's, it's right. It's, it's not, there's no problem with bringing it. No. And it was only a gezera uh, restriction, a gate which the rabbis built and constructed over here. We discussed why in Rashi. Maybe you'll, you'll withhold. You won't have 
you won't, uh, you, you'll withhold and in turn something will go wrong, you won't bring it in appropriate time. El afilu medeoraitan amen, amen means as well, also. Even minat Torah, this is prohibited. Lo hazu, it's not appropriate, it's prohibited. You know, to say you called up God, you have a phone, a phone a friend moment. God, can I bring this korban shalme hagiga? Excuse me, shalme nedava to you on the holiday? He would say no, but I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. I'm going to eat from it. No, what's the proof for this? Deha shetehalechem, dechovat hayom ninhu velekalim ikzar sheme yasheh. The proof that Rav Huna deduces this from is from the halakha of Sheteh HaLechem. Sheteh HaLechem was the sacrifice that would have, back in the day, been brought on Shavuot. On Shavuot, there was a particular sacrifice that was brought for the nation. It was called Korban Sheteh HaLechem. What would be, happen was there were two animals, they were called Kivasim, they were brought as Shilamim. Together with them, there were two loaves of bread, Sheteh HaLechem. Now, this is what was brought as the communal sacrifice on Shavuot. Now, it's important to note, what was done with those things? They did what was called a tinufa. They would pick up the animals and the bread and they would wave them around in a particular way. That was part of the Asid HaAvodah, this Qurban. All right, now, with regards to Sheteh HaLechem, let's pause for a second and think about this. Would a person, keep in mind, this is not even for a person, this is for the congregation, it's for the Kohanim who are going to be consuming from this. Would a person say, well, I'll save my bread or my animal for the holiday, there's no such thing. It needs to be brought on the holiday. There's no gezerah in place here. Well, you might save it and then mess up. No, there's no gezerah in place over here. It needs to be brought on Shavuot. As a result, it's Shavuot. I'm bringing this korban sheteh alechem. The kohanim will be eating from the bread of this sacrifice. Could you bake it on the holiday? You'd imagine you could. You know, why shouldn't you be able to? Ultimately speaking, the Kohanim are going to, it's a Korban Shilamim, which the Kohanim are going to be able to consume from, that's being brought on the... That's right. The Kohanim are bringing and they're consuming it for themselves. Oh, you'd imagine that it's permitted. It's Chovat Hayom. It's not the fifth Aliyah, it's the sacrifice which needs to be brought on that day. And there's no gezerah, well, maybe he won't bring it in time, something will go wrong. And when it comes to Korban Sheteh HaLechem, there's a restriction from the Torah. The restriction from the Torah is you're not allowed to bake it on the day of. You needed to bake it in advance. The understanding in turn being that any time an action for a sacrifice could have been done before holiday, it needs to be done before holiday. Not only from the rabbis, from the Torah. Borei Olam Kivyachol says to you, you could do this beforehand, do it before. When it comes to slaughtering an animal, you can't slaughter the animal the day before and then bring it into the Mikdash on the next day. It needs to be in the moment. When it comes to baking this bread for the Korban Shetei since it could be done beforehand, God, Kivyachol says, you may not do it on the holiday. We deduce from that. We derive from that. Oh, Bet Hillel says, if it's a Korban Shalmei Nedavar Neder, when you're making your donation, you could have brought it throughout the year. You were saving it for the holiday, but I'm going to be eating from it, but you could have done it beforehand, Rohi. You have to do it beforehand. You can't bring it on the holiday. That's the statement in turn of Rav Huna. It's a bold and strong statement. All right, the Gemara has a little bit more with regards to uh, dealing with the details of, with regards to this Shalmene Dava Neder. Iba'aya lehu. says the Gemara, there was a question. Iba'aya means question, a difficulty. Lehu means for them. Who's them? The rabbis in the Midrash. They had the following dilemma. Lidivreha Omer, 
Nedarim and Nedavot in Kerebim Biyom Tov. According to the opinion, which we've until now been discussing, was Betilel even. You're not allowed to bring Nedarim and Nedavot, the donation, the own volition sacrifice. It's not the ones that need to be brought. Not the Shomeh Simcha, not the Shomeh Hagiga, not even the Olat Re'iyah of Betilel, but the sacrifices which we just discussed. We explained even Betilel agrees you can't be bringing on the holiday unless you're Abba Shaul's version. Uh, what about if you went ahead and you did it? Gasp, you went ahead and did it? That's right. I'm haaretz, you don't know the halacha, whatever the circumstance is. You want to eat from it on the holiday, you brought it into the mikdash, you sacrificed, you, you slaughtered. Oh my goodness, and they walk up to you, the kohanim, or whoever, the people who know what they're talking about, say, did you just, I just did that. Oh, what do we do now with the animal? What do we do with the, with the blood? You know, generally speaking, you see, yeah, yeah, there's, there's lots, lots more part of this, of this procedure. You need to take the blood and you need to sprinkle it near the Mizbeah. That's called the Zirikah. You do that now on the holiday? Maybe it's inappropriate to do it on the holiday. The Zirikah, we'll understand from the later lines on this page of this Amud, is going to potentially be a rabbinic violation. Why would it be? What's the problem of in the Mikdash sprinkling some blood? Well, you might recall we talked about not taking ma'aser and tirumah on Yom Tov. Why are you not allowed to take ma'aser and tirumah on Yom Tov? But Mishnah and Daflamidvav, it looks like tikkun, it looks like you're fixing something. Keep in mind, by, by sprinkling that blood onto the altar, onto the Mizbeach, effectively what you're doing is fixing the situation. You fixed and made your korban a final korban. Until you do the zirika, it wasn't a kosher korban. Maybe that should be prohibited on Yom Tov to be doing. Why did we used to have these rites with regards to sprinkling blood on the Mizbeach? Well, of course, the Torah tells us to do so. There is, in Harambam and in others, there's a theory with regards to this. The sprinkling of the blood might be a way of countering the ways of the idolatrous, Avodazara uh, practices of that time. Uh, what we do know, and the Torah alludes to this, but we know it historically as well, is that the ways of the Avodazaras do all sorts of things that seem and are very funny to us today. Among them is, in their rites, in their worship of their gods, with a lowercase g, uh, they would consume blood. They would slaughter and they would eat flesh with blood. Disgusting for me, I think. Although, you know, now I see the steaks, it looks pretty bloody. But uh, I mean, whatever, they, they used to eat, that, there's a counter to it. The whole Kippur thing where we're sprinkling and so forth, it's all anti-Avodah Okay, anyway, that being the case, says the Gemara over here, if a person were to go against the Halakha, they slaughter in the Mikdash, their Shalmeh, Nedava, or Neder, Avar v'shahat, if a person violated Avar, he did not he slaughtered, my What's the halacha with regards to the zirikah? Do we say the zirikah is rabbinically prohibited? It's tikkun, it's wrongful, it's, it's what we call shivut, it's in Yisum Midrabbanan. Or do we say, well, once you got this far, you're in the mikdash, we have a general principle in shivut by mikdash, the kohanim don't have many of those rabbinic restrictions, it wouldn't apply anymore. You can't do zirikah once the nightfall comes. No. No. So automatically, once I didn't do Zedekah on that nightfall, that Qurban that I swore that I thought would be the God is Hasul? Correct. It goes right. That's the question. The question in turn is must we invalidate the animal and say, I'm sorry, tremendous financial loss and connection, or can we kosher the Qurban? Exactly. And the truth is, what we're not addressing over here, and it's very clear, is what's called Haktarat Imurin. The innards of the animal, which were burnt on the the Mizbeah, why are we not talking about that as well? And the answer to that is because you could do that at night. 
So there's no question about that. You have to do it at night. That was my next question. I know it was. Because uh, the footnote was, uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's, that's, that's the Gemara. Rava Amar, I give you too much uh, flack for that. Rava Amar, Zorek et Adam, Almanat Latir Basar, Baachila, Rabba Baravuna Amar, Zorek et Adam, Almanat Lehaktir Imurin La Erev. So both of these two opinions, both Rava and Rabba Baravuna, uh, both of them maintain you could do the Zirika. Uh, they, how, do you, how do you make it? Once you made it before the holiday. It was no, like this. You do shikita on the holiday. Yes. The court is animals in the view of Quran. Then how do you all of a sudden make it like it's a regular piece of meat? Like it's holina. It's not kadosh anymore. In what respect? So when you bring the mikdash, you were makdish before you brought it to the mikdash. You were makdish this animal before you brought it to the mikdash. But how do you, so once it's designated to God, how do you now make it? You slaughtered it, and we, it's not for you. Well, nobody's consuming this meat. Any. If we say you're not allowed to do the zirika, okay. So the shilamim maintains its kedusha even when you're eating it. It's a kovan shilamim. You have to eat a betahara, kedusha, but you're allowed to eat it. It's part of the sacrifice. Uh, but but the question. Is, so again, both Rava and Rabba Baravuna maintain that the zirika is permitted. Both of them say once you slaughtered, should not have slaughtered. Was not appropriate to slaughter. You slaughtered, you're allowed to do zirikah, but they each qualify it a little bit differently. Listen to their words. The first opinion, that of Ravai Zorek, et adam almenat, on condition, lahatir basa Since, and by so doing, the zirikah, you can eat the meat, that's why we're permitting you to do the zirikah only. What does that mean, only? Well, let's see the next opinion. Even if, and we'll have to figure out how that would be the case, the Gemara will tell us in a second, even if you're not going to be able to eat the meat, nonetheless, you're allowed to do the zirika because what the zirika, the sprinkling of the blood will do for you is now in the evening, you can burn the innards of that animal, the final step of the procedure. What's the question over here? The question is the following. The Gemara will be clear about this in a moment or two. What about, again, hard for me to fully understand how this went down. I don't have a full, even though I took the 3D tour of the old Mikdash, but I don't have a full vision of how this really looked to, to conceptualize how this could happen. Um, but the, the situation is as follows. I slaughter the animal in the Mikdash, it's the holiday, and then the animal's flesh either gets lost or the animal flesh becomes contaminated. That's what we call ne'evad or nitma. How did those happen? I can imagine the first one. The getting lost, the getting lost, no. The getting lost one, I can understand. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of people in the mikdash. Maybe the meat got lost. Lots of people handling it. You handed it off to this person. You didn't know what happened to it. Okay, but let's, so let's imagine that sort of situation for a moment. So here's the situation again. Slaughtered the animal, should not have done so. Why'd you do that? Ah, I made a mistake. Okay, can I sprinkle the blood now? Where'd your meat go? I don't know. Where'd the meat go? Or the meat, someone just touched it, became tamer. What's the status now? Can I do the zirika? Well, you're not going to be eating it. You don't have it, or it's tamer. It's not going to help your holidays, so to speak, any longer. You're not enjoying the meat. You had in mind the whole holiday meal. That's not happening. The meat is gone. 
According to the first opinion that of Rava, you can't do the Zedikah any longer. Why can't I do the Zedikah? I want to finish my sacrifice. The only reason the Zedikah was going to be permitted is because you're going to be able to eat the meat. You can't eat the meat. Second opinion says, no, once you got into this Rava Baravuna, you got into this, this process called Hakravat Korban, that's what's true. You're not going to be able to eat the meat. You shouldn't have slaughtered it anyway. You slaughtered it, you're allowed to continue with the process, but I'm not going to eat from it. doesn't matter. You're going to finish the process that night by burning the Imurim on the Mizbeach, the innards of the animal and as a result, it's permitted. Those are the two opinions. So again, see it in the Gemara. It says the Gemara, about 10 lines from the bottom. Why would, why would the second, why would Rabbi Barav Huna maintain that? It, not, even if it's just two birds. I, I guess the understanding is once you, uh, it's never spelled out clearly. I, I imagine the, the explanation is once you were over, you slaughtered, you started the hakrava process, we're going to tell you lose the meat because you did this wrong. Don't lose the meat. No, 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 no. The imurim are not tameh. The imurim are the innards, they were separated from the flesh. The flesh became tameh. The innards are going to be burnt. So, so the flesh is gone. That's, and that's the question for us. The flesh is either gone or it's contaminated. I, I have to imagine it's something along the lines of once you started the Seder HaAvodah of this, uh, of this Korban, we tell you to finish it, but you're not going to fully finish it in terms of eating, but finish it, La Gavoha. Again, we didn't want you doing that. We're not going to let you bring a Korban all out once you got going. I, I hear you. Rava is much more mistabeh for us. What's that? The Inner Tzafah Hashem. Jared says, you're not... something that's I don't, I, it's hard for me to say he exactly. wants and doesn't want. Uh, it says uh, right? Yeah. But both of these opinions I'm maintaining, yeah, you still have a loophole over here. It's not per se, uh, the, well, right. it wasn't a purposeful, yep. I was, I was trying to say, I think the, the reason could be, maybe, could, could it possibly be the cover of the animal? So we don't want the oh, you're on the cover of the I'm, animal. I'm the cover of the Mikdash. I was no, suggesting to you, it's the cover of the Mikdash. You well, start an animal. Yeah. There's no Hashem, there's no Hashem in this. There's not even enough of the Hashem. No, no, but. He's saying it's for the animal. I don't know. Jared got very liberal on us here. No, no, I'm not 100% certain. I imagined it as the, call it Korban. Maybe that's the same thing you're saying, the Behema. All right, it says the Gemara again. So, Iba'ayalehu, this was their question. Dash, avar v'shahat, if you went ahead and did it anyway, my, what's the halacha with regards to the zirika? Rava amar zorek etadam al menat lahatir basar ba'achila only. And specifically, if you're going to be able to eat from the meat afterwards, is it permitted to do the zirika? Again, you shouldn't have done it in the first place, but now that it's going to be somewhat lachem, permitted. Rabba barav huna amar zorek etadam al menat lahatir imurin la'erev, much more lenient. Says Gemara, my benayu. My, ma, what, benayu is the difference, it's in between them. Bina in Hebrew means something where you understand something from in between. I tell you two ideas and you read between the lines. Ben, ben means in between. My benayu, what's between the two? What's, what's the practical ramification of these two opinions? We talked about it already. Ika means yesh, there is benayu between the two of them. The practical difference is nitma basar 
If the flesh became contaminated or it got lost. According to the first opinion who said, it's almenat, le'echol, etabazar, it's unconditioned that you're going to eat from the flesh and it's going to enhance your own holiday. Lozarik, you can't do the zirikah if you don't have the flesh or the flesh is contaminated. According to the second opinion, you would still do the zirikah because ultimately speaking, you will have haktarat imurim nonetheless during that evening. Again, what we do in the Gemara today, we talked about the opinion of Abbas Shaul. Fundamentally, aside from his different imagery, he brought forth a new opinion for us that Beit Hillel would permit even nedarim and nedavot for hakrava on Yom Tob. That's shalmin nedava and shalmin neder. And then we talked about in the Gemara afterwards two separate points. Firstly, we made clear Rav Huna did for us that this restriction of bringing the nedarim and nedavot on the holiday is not only rabbinic in nature, it's even biblical, it's even min torah And secondly, we're talking about avar v'shachat ma'ay, you could do the zirika, mahloket rava and rabah with regards to the specifics. We'll continue with that mahloket tomorrow. Baruch Adonai